Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. This morning, with the Lord's help, I want to speak to you uh, from Leviticus chapter 6, starting in verse 9. If you want to meet me there, Leviticus, in case you haven't heard of it, it's in the Bible, um, <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a book that's preached out of too often, but Leviticus chapter six, starting in verse nine. While you turn there, they're gonna put it on the screen. I'll start reading. It says, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside of the camp to a place that is ceremonial clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offering on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. This morning, I wanna preach to you this thought, perpetual fire, perpetual fire. Join me as we pray. God, I thank you today for the opportunity to be used by you. God, I pray in these next few moments that you would help me set myself aside. God, that you might speak a word through me and to your people. God, I pray that you would anoint every heart to to hear what you have to say, God, that your word would take root inside of us, God, that it would transform us and draw us deeper in our relationship with you. God, we thank you for your presence that's already been in this place, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to move and transform lives. We give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna talk to you about perpetual fire. And there are a lot of people who are actually afraid of fire. How many of you guys know somebody who's afraid of fire? They would run away from a candle. (laughs) You know, my wife, I'm gonna pick on my wife, she is afraid of fire. If, if, If I could be across the room from my wife, and I could have a lighter, and if I click that lighter and point it at her, she will, she will yell, she'll wave her arms around, she'll run away, and it's like this panic overtakes her, even though I'm not even close to her. And the reason why is she's afraid of fire or she knows that her hairspray is extremely flammable. I'm not sure which one it is, <laughs> right? Some of you men out there, I got a witness, right? I can't light a candle in the morning, otherwise the house is gonna go poof. (laughs) Anyways, so fire fire is a very unique thing. It's one of of the elements here on earth that, 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 that is extremely powerful because fire can quickly destroy something. Fire can enter into a place and it could spread and it could destroy and consume everything in its path. But fire also has the ability to transform. Fire can change the shape 
of things. It could change what something looks like. Fire also provides for us heat and energy and things that we need in this life. But not only is fire significant in, in our day-to-day living, fire is also significant in the Bible. Now think about this. If you look at the Bible and you study all of the instances where there's fire, you'll discover several, several key moments. One of them being when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. The bush was consumed by fire, even though the bush itself wasn't consumed. This fire just kept burning, and God spoke to Moses through the fire. We have other times in the Bible where God was leading his people at night using a pillar of fire. We also have in the Old Testament when they would bring the the sacrifices and put them on the altar, God would consume the sacrifices with fire. Then in the New Testament, we have where God baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and fire. So fire is very significant. And here's why if you think about all the instances that God used fire, God used fire to speak, he used fire to lead, he used fire to consume, and then he used fire to baptize. And the thing about perpetual fire, a perpetual fire is a fire that never stops burning. A perpetual fire is a fire that doesn't change. It doesn't grow dim, it doesn't go out, but it's a fire that just keeps burning. It's like an eternal flame that never goes out. I believe that this is the type of way that God wants us to live. God wants us to live with this perpetual fire inside of us that doesn't burn out. That no matter where we are, what we're going through, there's still a fire inside of us that is burning. But unfortunately today, uh, most of us, instead of being this perpetual fire, we're more like a match. Where we might have an encounter with God and we get on fire and we're burning and then we're burning and then before we know it, we're burnt out. And we wonder, where has the fire gone? And a match that's been burnt out is almost impossible to light again. But here's the thing about God is that God doesn't just burn out. God never decides one day that that he's burnt out and he quits on you. God never does that. But how many times have you heard people say, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out serving at church. I'm burnt out at my job. I'm burnt out with my family. I just can't do this anymore. You see people quitting left and right because they're burnt out. But the fire that God puts inside of you is what enables you to not get burnt out. You can't tell me you're burnt out and you're full of the Holy Ghost. You can't tell me that you're burnt out and you've been in God's presence. You can't tell me that you're burnt out and you've had an encounter with God. Because I'll ask you, where has the fire gone? Here's what we learn in this passage that we read is that each day required a new sacrifice. It said in the morning, the priest, he would put on these official garments that he would wear when he was dealing with the altar. So the priest had to come in and he had to change his clothes. And it says he would come in, he would clean out the ashes and he would put them beside the altar. Then he would go put on his other garments, come back in, grab those ashes and take them to a place that was ceremonial clean. And here's what's significant is the priest didn't just enter in 
with any old clothes on. Now, I'm not talking about physical clothes. I'm not talking about your appearance. Although I believe if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're mindful of how you dress. I'm talking about the attitude behind it. You see, the priest didn't just come in like it was a casual thing. When the priest was entering into the tabernacle, he came with purpose. He was dressed to do what God had called him to do. He came in dressed to prepare the altar. He came in dressed to add wood to the fire. He came in dressed to put the sacrifice there and to do what God had commanded him to do. And one of the reasons why so many Christians are burnt out is because we come casually expecting God to consume our sacrifice and glory to fall down from heaven and God to move. But that's not our approach. That's not what our approach should be with God. When we come into his presence, we should come in with purpose. God, I'm not just coming in any old way. I'm coming in. God, when I go to that church, when worship happens, God, I'm going to get a hold of heaven. God, I'm going to worship. I'm going to cry out to you. When that altar is open, I'm going to meet you face to face because I didn't come here for a ritual. I came here for the presence. I mean, this is a Pentecostal church. We're not looking for something that's scripted. We're not just, just trying to sing out words on a song. So some people, you know, they've not been in a worship service like ours. Where there's no songs on the screen and everybody's singing. What is going on? That's true worship because true worship isn't scripted. It's spontaneous. It's you releasing the cry of your heart out to God and saying, God, you are just so good. God, I don't even care if they put this, the, the words up there. God, I don't even care if they're singing in my key. I'm going to let out whatever I can and give it to you. That's sacrifice. And here's the thing. God doesn't want the leftovers from yesterday's sacrifice. The priest didn't just come in and, and, and leave the ashes on the altar from yesterday's sacrifice and just add wood to the fire. No, when he came in, he took all the ashes off the altar and then he removed them from the tabernacle. And then they would prepare a new sacrifice that would be placed on the altar. And I'm telling you that what you gave to God yesterday is not good enough for today. What God used to do in your life Yesterday isn't good enough for today. It just won't do it. And some of us, what we've got to do is we've got to enter in and we've got to clean off our altar. The idols from our past where God used to touch us and God used us here and uses, we've got to clean that off and say, God, I'm here today. What are you trying to do? There's stuff in your life right now that you can give to God that you couldn't give back then. So God's not asking you to give the things that you used to give. God's wondering, what are you going to give me today? Yesterday's sacrifice won't do. The sacrifices that the people would bring and put on the altar, there were requirements. They had to be pure and spotless. They didn't just take some old goat that was walking around in the backyard that was good for nothing and say, do you know what, God, let me bless you. Let me bless you with this. People try to do that at church all the time. Even, even like with random stuff, like people be like, oh, you know, I just wanna bless the Lord with a new TV. It's like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. People bring like a, like a plasma screen TV that weighs 300 pounds. It's got stripes going down it, don't even work, but they wanna bless the church with it. <laughs> God, God, wants, God wants your best. God wants your best. He doesn't want you to give what the person next to you gives. He doesn't want you to give what I give. God wants you to give your best, whatever that looks like. God wants you to lay it down on the altar. God wants you to be sacrificing yourself. God doesn't want you to show up on Sunday and give him the leftovers from the week where you show up and you're exhausted, you're tired, you're cold, you're hungry. I mean, you're sitting there depressed and you want the presence of God to fall on your life. I'm telling you, if you're gonna get excited or energetic about something, do it in the presence of God. You better prepare that altar. You better get rid of that old junk. You better add wood to the fire. You better get burning hot because if God is gonna come, then it's gonna require a new sacrifice. In Luke 9, 23 through 25, it says this, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He's saying, if you want to be a follower, if you wanna be somebody that has been transformed by the power of God, if you wanna be somebody that has a fire burning inside of them, then what you have to do is you have to sacrifice. Well, sacrifice what? He said this, he said, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. There is no greater symbol of sacrifice than the cross. We're not talking about a, a lamb that was slain. We're not talking about uh, an animal that was, that was killed on an altar. But when we talk about the cross, we're talking about Jesus Christ who gave his life for every single person here who laid down his life and paid the ultimate price. That is sacrifice. So when the Bible's saying, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna be somebody that, that has the fire of God in their life, if you wanna be that person, then you have to be willing to lay down your life every single day. You have to pick up your cross daily and follow after me. And some of us, the reason why we don't experience God the way that we want to, it's because it's not a daily thing. You can't, you can't, you can't tell me do you live for God on just Sunday and a Wednesday and God's presence fills your life? It don't work like that. I have a lot of people in my life and in my circles that I know they go to church twice a week and their life is chaos. They're depressed, their lifestyle looks no different than anybody else's. They do what everybody else is doing, right? But Jesus said, he said, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And here's what people struggle to understand is that in order to, to save your life, you have to give up your life. People don't understand things like that in the Bible. If, if you wanna reap a harvest, you have to sow a seed. If you wanna give in unto you, then you've got to give. So he's saying, if you want the fire of God, you've gotta pick up your cross, you've gotta run after Jesus, and it's gotta be a daily thing in your life. It's not living your own life, it's not doing your own thing throughout the week, but it's saying, God, every single day, God, how do you wanna use me today? God, what areas of my life are you dealing with today? God, what are you trying to speak to me right now in this moment today? In Romans 12, one, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all of 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, there are a couple key things that we have to take out of this. It's that he's calling us to be a living sacrifice. And not only that, but he said, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. He's saying that Jesus Christ came here, lived a sinful life, a, a sinless life, lived a perfect life, was persecuted, mocked, died on a cross, shed his blood for you. And it's saying since he did that for you, then it's your responsibility to give your bodies to him. And that means that you now become the sacrifice that he became for you. A living sacrifice, which means every single day, you're not dead, you're alive. Every single day while you are alive, you're a sacrifice to God. So when you wake up in the morning, you might've had your own plans, you might've had your calendar full, but wait a minute, God, I'm a living sacrifice for you. Today's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about satisfying my flesh. Today is about being a sacrifice unto you. And it says not just any sacrifice, but it says an acceptable one. There are sacrifices that aren't acceptable unto God. You can't give God your second best and think he's gonna accept it. God, we want your glory. We want heaven to come. We sing all these songs and pray all these prayers. We want God to do all of these incredible things, but we give God our second best. God, I was late for church, but let your presence just consume my life. God, I was, I was on my phone during the whole worship service, but Lord, let the fire from heaven fall on me fresh. I'm not being mean, I promise. So, <laughs> so it says a living and holy sacrifice. In order to be a living and holy sacrifice, holy means set apart. God wants you to be alive. He wants you to live your life. But while you live your life, he wants it to belong to him. And while you live your life, he wants it to belong to him. And not only does he want it to belong to him, he wants you to be set apart from everything else. So God is saying that, 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 that if it's gonna be an acceptable sacrifice, then your lifestyle is gonna be different than everybody else's. Then the way you live day to day, not just on the weekends, day your day to day lifestyle is gonna be set apart, it's gonna be holy. And when you live that kind of life, God finds that acceptable. I'm telling you, if you go into a church that, that is holiness, they might have rules, they might have you know, extra stuff that they're living by, but the presence of God moves in those places. I'm not saying that God wants you to dress a certain way or do this or do that. I'm saying when you set your life apart and say, God, I'm giving my life to you. What do you wanna do? God, what can I do for you? What can I offer up to you? What can I sacrifice to you? When that is your mindset, that's when God meets you and that's when his glory falls in your life. It says that's the true way to worship him. Not through a song, 
not through a scripted prayer. The true way to worship God is day-to-day dying to yourself. Saying, God, I'm gonna kill my fleshly man that I might live for you. Doesn't matter what kind of desires or temptations walk through the door, God, today I'm living for you. Each day required fresh fire. The priest would have to come in and he would add fire to the flames and he would build the fire and prepare it. And it reminds me of 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 8, where he says this to Timothy. He says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother uh, Eunice. And it says, I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames a spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. So your faith is what lights a fire inside of you. And when he's writing this to Timothy, he's telling Timothy, Timothy, I see something different about you. I see genuine faith. Genuine faith. And I'm telling you, you can look around a church and you can see whether or not it's genuine. But he's saying, Timothy, I see genuine faith, and where there is genuine faith, there is fire. And he's saying, Timothy, I see your faith. I see that there is a fire of God inside of you. And he says, Timothy, uh, since you have this faith, you need to make sure that you fan the flames. Timothy, you need to make sure that you keep the fire on your altar burning. Timothy, every day you you better be adding wood to the fire and burning for God. Timothy, don't don't you dare burn out like these other people. Timothy, don't you quit like these other people have. Timothy, don't you walk out on the plan and the purpose that God has for you. And he's saying, Timothy, you you need to fan the flame that God has put inside of you because what God has put inside of you, it's not a spirit of fear. It's not so you could be reserved and keep to yourself. But the fire of God in your life gives you power and love and self-discipline. He's saying, Timothy, you got everything you need right inside of you. But it's our job to keep the fire burning. God's not going to keep the fire burning for you. God will light the fire inside of you, but you've got to keep it going. And I feel like that's where the church has got it wrong because sometimes it's like people come to church and they want the pastor to throw the wood on the fire. So you got, you got people who work in ministry and they walk around, they're trying to add wood to the fire. They're trying to breathe on it over here. They're trying to poke it to get it burning again. And they exhaust themselves trying to do a job that's not theirs. It's your job to keep the fire burning in your life. Every single day, you need to be adding wood to that fire. And he says, Timothy, here's why it's so important that you fan into flames what's inside of you. Because you need to be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. He's saying, Timothy, if that fire inside of you is not burning, if you're not hot with God, then what happens is when you go through a struggle in this life, you're going to just quit like everybody else. 
He's saying you're gonna have to suffer, you're gonna have to go through some things in this life, and if you don't have the fire of God inside of you, then you're gonna fall to pieces. He said, Timothy, God has got a greater plan for you, so keep that fire burning. And when you have an acceptable sacrifice, and when you have a fresh fire, here's what happens. God's glory comes down. You have to have both of them. If the priest didn't go in and clear the altar, if the priest didn't go in and add wood to the fire, if the priest didn't go in and offer an acceptable sacrifice, then God's glory would have never come down. And it's the same way for your life. Ask yourself this question, is, is there fresh fire in your life? Or are you trying to live for Jesus off of embers, expecting to walk in power and authority? It's raining all over you, the wind's blowing, you're trying to stay lit, everything's coming against you, and the reason why your fire is going out isn't because of the rain, it's not because of the wind, it's because you've not been adding wood to the fire. Is what you are giving to God as a sacrifice, is it holy and is it acceptable? Because when you have those two things in order, just like in the tabernacle, just like in the temple, God's glory will come and fill your life and his presence will consume you. When Solomon built the temple, it was magnificent. People had anticipated this moment for a very long time. There was, think about all the money and all the resources and all the time and the energy that were, that were spent on this temple, this magnificent temple. Think about, think about the statues, think about the decorations, think about the look of this magnificent temple that he helped build. The craftsmanship. But here's one thing that Solomon knew. Solomon knew that even though it was a beautiful building, even though it was remarkable, even though it was breathtaking to look at, he knew it was worthless if it didn't have the presence of God. So Solomon knew if this temple is gonna be worth anything, then it has to have the presence of God in it. So Solomon decided to dedicate the temple to God so that God would get all the glory. Solomon didn't say, look what I built, this is mine. No, he dedicated it to God so that God would get the glory and not him. He wanted the fire of God to fill the temple and for God's glory to come down. In 2 Chronicles 7, it says this. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. 
My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple to be set apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. Solomon built this magnificent temple, but it was nothing without the presence of God. So after construction was finished, Solomon had all of these ceremonies and things that took place. He had a dedication ceremony. Then after the dedication, Solomon got down and he began to pray. And he began to pray and he began to pray and he began to pray. And then finally, after Solomon had been praying and been praying and the sacrifices were ready, it says that fire flashed down from heaven and burnt the offerings up and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Solomon had sought God and God's presence met him at his place of sacrifice. You know, oftentimes, let me read this first, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. We use this a lot. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And it's not, people have misused that to say that you have to dress or look a certain way. But when it's referring to your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we have to look at the temple with Solomon because what happened with Solomon is that when Solomon dedicated the temple to God, when, when Solomon began to pray and seek God, when Solomon offered sacrifices unto God, God's glory filled the temple and the fire of God manifested. And it's the same way with you, but you're the temple. And when you dedicate your life, your life, and say, God, I'm your temple. Not so that I get the glory, but so that you get the glory. And you begin to pray and you begin to seek God and you begin to offer sacrifices. The fire of God will fill your life. God said this about the temple. He said, he said I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy. A place where my, where my name will always be honored. And I will watch over it for it is dear to my heart. And God feels the exact same way about you. That you are set apart to be holy. That you are a place where his name will be honored forever. That he will always watch over you for you are dear to his heart. You see, God doesn't want you to be a living sacrifice because he has something to gain from you. God wants you to be a living sacrifice because he has something to give you. He knows, he knows what your life looks like without his presence. He knows what your life looks like without the power of God helping you through the things that you're gonna face in this life. And here's the thing, you have been set apart to be holy. You have been called to be a place of sacrifice. You are the place that God sends his fire down. Why does he do it? He does it to consume your flesh so that you might be who God has called you to be. He wants to fill your life with his glory. God doesn't want you to live off of an experience that somebody else had. Growing up, I spent years, years, living off of the experiences that my grandparents had. Hearing about the stories about what God did in their life or what they had witnessed. That's not what God had for me. 
God wanted to fill my life with his glory. God wanted me to have his fire inside of me. There is no substitute for the fire of God. I don't care what you look at or what you look for. There is no substitute for the fire of God. In Numbers 3 and 4 it says, And Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord, when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children, and Eleazar and Ithamar ministered in the priest's office in the sight of Aaron, their father. There is no substitute that can take the place of the fire of God. There is, only, there is only one fire that comes from God, and it only comes from the hand of God. You can't make it up. You can't pretend. There's no secret formula to it. And here's the thing is that, is that strange fire will kill you. Fake worship will kill you. Fake praise will kill you. Fake prophecy will kill you. So you have to be really careful what you try to attach God's name to. You better be real careful what you try to prophesy over somebody else's life because strange fire will get you killed. And I'm telling you that when you've experienced God's presence for yourself, there is nothing else in this world that can fill that void. Drugs can't do it. Alcohol can't do it. Relationships can't do it. No matter what you try to look to, nobody can take God's place in your life. There is no other fire that is all-consuming. There is no other fire that comes with glory. Because when you are done being drunk and you wake up with a headache, your life is still a mess. When you come down off of that high, your life is still in pieces and you're still living in bondage. When that relationship doesn't work out because you weren't supposed to be in it anyways, you're still left feeling alone, feeling empty, feeling hopeless. Why? Because only the fire of God can give you what you need. In Matthew 3, 11 through 12, John the Baptist says, he says, I, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I am not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. And then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. Someone who is coming greater who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, God wants to consume every part of your life. I believe that that's why God uses fire. It's not, it's not a little raindrop that falls on your head and gives you a little tingle and you're like, ooh, I felt God. God's not a raindrop. God is an all-consuming fire. And he, and he doesn't say you'll just be touched by it. He doesn't say you'll, you'll feel the heat of it. He says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It means that you will be submerged in the fire of God, that you'll be like the burning bush where the fire of God is all over you, but you're not being consumed. 
something interesting that happened to my grandpa is that when my grandpa, he pastored the same church, him and my grandma, for 43 and a half years. And it, he, I think they were both surprised that God even used them. And it's funny, my grandpa, he's, I believe he's 91, and my grandma would be, man, this is tough. 87? I don't know. Anyways, he was 19 when they got married, and my grandma was like 15. Times were a lot different back then. But anyways, they tell stories about how they used to go in the dance halls and all this other stuff, and how they used to, they, they, they would tell me they used to take the floor. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we were so good dancing, everybody else stopped dancing. And they tell all these stories. But my, one of my favorite stories that my grandpa told me is that when he got baptized, he came out of the water and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He came out of the water speaking in tongues, praising Jesus, worshiping the Lord. And it's like, it's like God is showing up because he's saying, okay, you know what it feels like to be submerged in water. Now try being submerged in fire. Amen. And I believe that's what God wants for every single believer. You might have felt a little sprinkle. You might have felt a little touch. But God wants to be an all-consuming fire that baptizes you where you could walk in his presence, where you could operate in his power and in his authority. And I believe in these last days that we'll see more outpourings of the Holy Spirit than we ever have before, even more than the generations before us. I've already seen it start to happen at different things. It looked like it happened at the women's nights. It happened at our youth camp. It's happening all over the world. Revivals are taking place in countries like Africa. People are coming to Jesus by the thousands from all over the place. Revival is happening now and God is wanting to pour his spirit out and baptize you with fire. But I also believe that during this same time, that a separation is coming. I believe that God is separating the wheat from the chaff, that he's clearing out the threshing floor, that God's getting rid of, of fake worship and fake prayers and fake prophets and people who have tried to put on a show and people who have tried to take advantage and people who are using people instead of being a living sacrifice. I believe that God is gonna clear houses, clear, clear the house of God out and that the house of God will be full of people who are genuine faith, who are full of the fire of God that wanna see God move and use them and do a work through them. God is up to something, amen. Deuteronomy 4, 22 through 24 says this. She says, you will cross the Jordan to occupy the land, but I will not. Instead, I will die here on the east side of the river. So be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form, for the Lord your God has forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. As the worship team comes, God is jealous for you. He is jealous for you. This was a warning. And they were headed to the promised land. And he's saying, when you get over there, make sure that you do not break your covenant with God. 
Make sure you don't, you don't give in to idolatry. Make sure you don't give in to all these ways of the land. But when you get over there, you make sure you stay faithful to the covenant that you made with God. And he's saying, because if you don't, God is a jealous God. And he is a devouring fire. Now, I don't believe that God is going to rain fire down on you like he did in the Old Testament. But you have to be very careful with how you live your life. Because if you break covenant, that means that he doesn't have to promise you heaven. Because you're no longer in covenant. And it's sad to see so many people in today's generation that go to church and yet they've broken covenant. That they sing songs and yet they're not in covenant. That they show up and serve, but they're not in covenant with God. He is a jealous God. He is a devouring fire. He doesn't want just part of your life. He doesn't want just two days a week, an hour here, an hour there. God wants to consume every part of who you are. Every thought, every desire, every feeling. God also wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a reason why they said that. Someone is coming behind me who is greater and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's what happened in Acts chapter two. They were all in one mind and one accord. They were worshiping God. They were waiting for the promise. They were in covenant with God and they knew he's gonna keep his promises. So they waited for the promise. And while they waited for the promise, they worshiped God and they prayed and they sang out to God. And then suddenly a sound from heaven, like a roar of a mighty wind, it came in and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then, and then it said, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everybody present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. And the most important part of this isn't speaking in tongues. It's that God put a fire inside of every believer. Every person that had faith in Jesus, every person that was in that room waiting for the promise, he put fire inside of them. And what happened next was you had people like Peter that denied Christ, that were unfaithful, that had broken covenant, that had gotten burnt out, that had given up, that had went back to their old lifestyle. But now you have a Peter that has the fire of God inside of them. And that same Peter, he gets up and he begins to preach to the people who see what's happening and they're calling them drunk, they're laughing at them, they're making fun of them and Peter gets up. He's not afraid because he has the spirit of boldness inside of him now. He's not, he's not backing down because there's power inside of him now. And he begins to preach Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified and tells them that the Messiah had come, the one that they had crucified. And I'm telling you the reason that Peter's life changed around was because the fire of God inside of him. 
It wasn't because of what they prayed in the upper room. It wasn't because of how many people were in the upper room. It's because heaven came down and God made a deposit inside of him and said, Peter, you're gonna walk differently now. Peter, you're gonna act differently now. Peter, you're gonna be a different person because now you're not just Peter, but now you're Peter full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Fire does three different things. The first thing it does is fire consumes. When the fire of God comes into your life, it consumes every part of you. You don't wanna talk the same way. You don't even wanna look the same way. You don't wanna act like you used to. You don't wanna watch what you used to. You don't wanna run in the same circles that you used to run in because the fire of God consumes every part of your life. The next thing that fire does is fire spreads. Think about it, one group of people in the upper room, baptized in fire, leave the room, go out into the world full of the Holy Ghost, and they flip the world upside down for the gospel. Why, because of who they were? No, because they were full of the Holy Ghost and fire, and fire quickly spread, and it jumped from one person to another, to another, to another. Families caught fire, houses caught on fire, communities caught on fire. The final thing that fire does is fire transforms. And here's the thing about fires, that fire can be scary, but fire could also be beneficial. And there are times in our life where we feel like we're in the middle of a fire. And when we're in the middle of that fire, our first reaction is to blame the enemy. The devil's trying to destroy my life. The devil is attacking my family. He's allowed this to happen. He's, he's trying to get me over here. He's trying to get me over there. We, we're in the middle of the fire. We feel the heat. We feel the pressure. We're uncomfortable. We think it's the enemy. And while we're in the middle of this fire, out of nowhere, something else hits us. Bang! We're like, great, something else now. We wanna give up. We wanna fall apart. Then something else comes, bang. We don't know what to do. We're barely hanging on. We're barely, barely keeping our fire lit. And then something else comes, bang. And the whole time we're trying to blame the enemy when really you were in the fire because God had you there. And here's what I know about fires, that it takes fire to transform you because we are a hard people. We are a stubborn people. We don't like to change. We don't like to listen. And sometimes God has to take us and put us in a fire and then he waits and he watches. And we're stubborn, we're trying to fight everything around us that's happening. He watches and he waits. We begin to crack, we begin to crumble, 
and he watches and he waits. We start to cry again. We start to pray more and he watches and he waits. Then finally we're laying down at his feet saying, God, I can't do this anymore. And at that point he takes us out of the fire and he begins to hammer at us. And he begins to hammer at us. The whole time we think we're under attack, but God is hammering at us. What is he doing? God had to soften you. He had to get you to a place where you were broken enough to where he could mold you and transform you into the person that he had called you to be. You had spent so much time being the old you. You had lived that lifestyle for too long. So he had to put you through the fire and show you that there's a better way. As you stand to your feet today, While heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. I wanna read you a passage from Matthew. It says at midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. It says all the bridesmaids, they got up and they prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones, they asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you must too, you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. And this is a warning to every Christian believer here today. Don't ever become so comfortable that you think there's another day to get right with God. Don't ever get so comfortable that you think there will be another opportunity to make things right. Don't ever get so comfortable that you're out living your life and you miss the moment because you didn't keep the fire burning. It says the people, the bridesmaids that had prepared, the bridesmaids that had kept their fire burning, when the bridegroom came, it says that their fires were burning and they were ready. And together they went into the feast, but the door was locked behind them. And when the other ones tried to come and they tried to make things right and they said, please let us in, let us in. He said, I didn't know you. Why? Because there was no fire. They had neglected the fire. They had, they had gotten burnt out. They ran out of oil. They weren't prepared. They weren't focused. 
And what would happen to your families if you let yourself burn out? If you didn't keep oil in your lamp? I'm telling you, in the days that we're living in right now, you better keep that fire burning hotter than it's ever burned before. You better be stocking up on oil. You better be adding fire. You have firewood. You better be doing everything you can because if you don't keep the fire burning, who's gonna do it for you? Some of you are in here today and maybe you feel like you've been struggling. Things have grown a little cold. You feel like the fire that God put inside of you is barely hanging on. You try to worship, but you don't feel his presence. You try to pray, but you don't hear his voice. You're trying, trying to keep the fire burning. Here's what I know about God is that when you find yourself at his feet, that God can take the little ember inside of you and he could ignite it again. That when you're in God's presence and you're at his feet and you're just giving God everything, God, I lay my life down. God, I pour my heart out to you. God, I don't have much to give, but I give you myself. In moments like that, God comes into the room and he breathes on you and the fire starts burning again. And there are people in here today that your fire is about to go out, but I'm telling you, God came here to meet you this morning. God gave me this word for a reason this morning so that he could breathe on you again, that you might burn again, that you might burn hot enough that you'll bring your family to Christ, that you might burn hot enough that when you go out into the community, people will recognize that there was a genuine faith about you. So if that's you this morning, and maybe you wanna give your life to Christ, maybe you wanna make things right, maybe you wanna put your faith in God and you wanna experience what it's like to have, have the power of God in your life, then I wanna encourage you to come right now to this altar. Find yourself at the feet of Jesus. Let God touch you this morning. Maybe you know God, maybe you know his presence and maybe you miss his presence. God wants that fire to burn inside of you again. Would you come? These altars are open. These altars are open. You've gotta add wood to the fire. You've gotta add wood to the fire. You've gotta prepare the sacrifice. Just begin to cry out to him wherever you're at. Begin to cry out to him. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 